welcome everybody. We are so glad you're here this morning. Um, I really feel, <laughs> I really feel strongly that that God gave me a word for today. Um, I probably say that every time, <laughs> and because it's true, I really, I, I don't take this lightly to to bring a message um, to you guys. I don't, I don't take it lightly. I don't want to just throw something together, um, even though it would have been a lot easier this week because it was a crazy week um, to do so. But I really sensed. God laid on my heart something for us today, whether you are sitting here today or, or watching on Zoom. I know there's some people watching um, that said they were going to be anyways. And, and I believe you're listening to this for a reason today. So, uh, you know, we so often, I wonder if I can come up a little bit. You know, we so often, um, we, all, we so often want to trust God in, in our situations, right? We so often, hey, ladies, you guys can have some. Girls can have some, too. So thank you for helping. We so often want to trust God in, in everything we, we're, that's, we're, we're going through, but yet we want to have control, don't we? We want to have control of what's happening. Us, in our human nature, we want to have control. And maybe you're a little like this. Maybe you can be walking in confidence with God, feeling full of confidence, doing what you're calling, what he's calling you to do, one moment, and then the next moment, all of a sudden, all these, these doubts start coming. You, you, start, you start getting crippling with insecurity and, and, and paralyzed with what God is calling you to do and, and holding you back, right? Craig Cruschel, he wrote a book, Winning the War in Your Mind. And he said that the mind is like a battlefield and most battles are won or lost in your mind. And you know, the more I, I study scripture, and the more that I looked, I even looked into neuroscience and what, what they say about it, the more I agree with that. The, it, it seems so true. Most of life's battles are lost or won in your mind. The good news is, who's ready for some good news? Want some good news? Right? All right. Good news is awesome news. Good news is great. Good news is that God's word is powerful. Right? It's powerful and, 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 and not just to help us, but to transform the renewing of our mind with truth. Second Corinthians 10. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to be reading out of the NL, NIV version. If you don't have a Bible, the NLT version is right in front of you. Um, and a reminder, if you're here, if you're new here and you don't have a Bible at home, that is for your taking. It is just take it home with you. Um, we want you to have a Bible. So Second Corinthians 10. Three and three and four. I'm going to read, and it says, "For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Not the same way. The weapons we fight with, verse four, with that we fight with, are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power." To demolish, demolish, to destroy it means it's where we get the word dynamite from. Uh, to demolish strongholds. That is awesome. The, the devil, our spiritual uh, enemy, wants to attack your mind. Wants to attack your mind and, and give you the wrong deception, give, give you the wrong perception. And wants you to believe something that is untrue. That is untrue and, and takes away from the healing of God's calling and calling on your life. What does the devil do? He tries to, he, he tries to shape your thinking. 
He tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until he changes your perception and has you a prisoner, a prisoner captive. And what are some lies that he may tell you that, that he wants you to believe? Oh, you're not good enough, right? You can't, you can't trust people. You'll you're, you're never succeed. Your, your marriage will never be good. You're, you're, he, he tries to tell you, you know, you're always going to be broke. God doesn't care about you. He don't hear your prayers. You'll never amount to anything, and you'll never be able to achieve that. How do we battle this in our minds? How do we do battle in our minds? Next verse, verse 5. We demolish, we destroy, we put that dynamite there. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, if you think about it, if you think about it, uh, our, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I mean, true, it's true. I mean, think about it. what What we think seems to come out in our lives. Both science and scriptures agree. Science proved this, uh, that a lot of problems are related to wrong thought processes. Whether that be through some relational challenges, some eating disorders, uh, addictions, some forms of anxieties are re- direct results of toxic thinking. That's what science says. And God created science. And God's word is true. And this is what he says in Proverbs. Proverbs 23, 7. Actually from the New King James Version. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what do we know? What do we know? That the life we have so often is a reflection of the thoughts we think. What we think is often who we become. In other words, who we become, or in other words, if we tend to think, you know, I can't do something, I can't do that, I'll never achieve that, most likely you're not going to. Most likely you're not going to. But, but if we, we say in our mind, like, we can do this, by the grace of God, most often you will. You can. If you dwell on your problems, oh man, things are getting worse. Your problems are going to overwhelm you. They're going to overwhelm you. Your problems are going to become so big in your life, feel so big. But instead, if you look at the situation and believe and have faith, I'm telling you, your faith will arise. Faith will arise. And, and if you always feel like the victim, you're going to, you're most likely become a victim. But if instead you be, believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ within you, you will overcome. You will overcome. In so many cases, the life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. And, and don't read into this wrongly. I'm not saying, oh, if you, you think positive, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Nothing wrong is ever going to happen. The Bible backs up. We're going we're gonna to have issues. We're going to have trials, right? There's going to be things. But, but I believe there's a lot of truth to this. And what I want you to do today, what I want you to do today is to think about what you think about. What is it that you think about? You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mindset. Amen. Why? 
because your life is always moving towards the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what are your strongest thoughts? What are they? Are, are, they, are they sinful? Are they, are they negative? Are, are, they, are they fantasizing uh, after worldly things? Money? Or are they fearful? Or, 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 or do you have best intentions with things? Are, they talking, are you thinking more about family or, or the best intentions on others? Are we thinking about God? Is that what our, most of our thoughts are? If your life is headed in the direction of your strongest thoughts, this is my question for you. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Every time you go out of the country, <clears throat> every time you go out of the country, we hear people talk about it, and, and they, whether they do a mission trip, which is awesome. If you've never been out of the country, we've got to get you out of the country and do a mission trip. That would just be awesome. But I even hear this with people that do vacation. But oftentimes, when people go out of the country and they come back, they say, man, we are so blessed. So blessed. And I know you're, you know, like... <laughs> I'm not saying this is perfect here. I'm not saying the United States is perfect. We got our issues. We got our problems. Yes. But so often when people go and do, uh, go to a third world country, back me up, Brad, like you see things and they come back and I often hear people say like, man, how my perspective has changed. How my perspective has changed. And, and if you think about it, we are faced every day with situations where we decide, are you going to let that thing whatever it is, dwell in your view and change your perspective, you know, my emotion, my emotional standing, my stability, or are you going to, in that moment, put it in its proper place? Perspective. You can turn with me to, to Luke 5. Luke 5 here, where uh, Luke 5:17. <clears throat> I'd like to remind you of a familiar story and, and look at the perspective that Jesus has. The perspective that I believe Jesus wants us to have through our passage here in Luke. So Jesus here in this, it's uh, the, Jesus heals the paralytic. And, and, and Jesus is in a house and there's people coming all around, right? Because they've been hearing about his healing. They've been hear, hearing about this Jesus guy has been doing some pretty cool things. And they're coming around. And it's crowded. And here, this there's this guy, he's paralyzed, and I, whatever I say here, I don't mean to be rude or crude. I don't know what it's like to be paralyzed, to not be able to use one of my limbs. My heart goes out. But these, these friends of theirs, these friends of theirs, carry, 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 trying to get him to Jesus, right? And they can't get him there because of the crowds. So what do they do? They climb the roof, and, and they rip out the roof. They dig it apart, whatever, whatever it was made of at the time. They, they rip it apart tear it apart, and they lower him down, which, by the way, it's the, these guys were hoping are paying for this roof, right? This, these people opened up their house, and the roof got destroyed. But they lower him down, and what happens? What, is, what does Jesus do? So often, we think, oh, he, he heals them. He makes them walk. No, not initially. Not initially. He says, he looks at him, sees their faith, and he says, you are forgiving. See you around, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? They're like, hey, uh, yeah, I know, uh, that's good and all, but we actually lowered him down because he can't walk. I mean, really, like, that's, that's cool and all, forgiveness, right, but, but can't you tell? He can't walk, Jesus. Come on. We're doing all this work. I mean, can you imagine you have a sickness? 
you have an illness. And we have a, a, a pretty cool prayer team here that is, is willing to pray for you if you are sick. And we believe in the power of prayer. We have seen healing, and we would desire to see more. And we believe in it. Can you imagine coming to us and we surround you, and you come and you're like, hey, Scott, you know, I have this. I want I want, I want prayer. And I'm like, you're forgiven. See you Sunday. Right? And you'd be like, oh, hey, Mel, uh, Scott just, uh, yeah, he, I know I'm forgiven, but I want prayer. Right? I want to be healed. <clears throat> and I can only imagine how these guys were that were lowering and doing all the work, being like, yo, come on, Lord, I know. He's forgiven. That's, that's all good and stuff. But we lowered him because, because we heard you're a healer. Verse 20, let's start reading Luke 5, 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took, up, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. The reason he heals is so that, that they see forgiveness. Jesus is trying to get everyone in the room to see, hey, focus, your focus is so literal I heal too, yes, but, but there is something else I primarily came to do, that I primarily came to do and, and that you can't necessarily see or even completely understand, and that's to heal something else. That's to come to heal the greatest thing that needs healed, the, the, the greatest disease, the, the, greatest, um, the, the greatest plague in human history, and it's your doing, your wrongdoing, your sin, and it call, that, that leads you to death. And I come to forgive. I come to forgive. Forgive you. <clears throat> you may know where I'm going with this. Your perspective in life with everything should change simply because you have been forgiven. We've been forgiven. Now, I know at first you're like, I know I, I've been forgiven. I, I get that. Like, that's my point. That's my point. Like, we so often treat forgiveness. Let me put it this way. We so often treat forgiveness like the Israelites treated manna back in the day. Right? We treat it like that. And like they treated manna as they wandered for 40 years. Here's the parallel I want to make. If you're, if you're not familiar with, with, uh, with manna, it was, it was kind of like a, like a Frosted Flakes thing. It was, it was like bread substance and and they had it every morning. Uh, God provided for them for 40 years. They had it, and um, it was, it was kind of, you know, every morning they said it was, uh, it was on the dew, and it was sweet like honey, and, and it was like frosted flakes. They're great. All right, some of you guys ate breakfast. Uh, <laughs> anyways, my cheesy joke for the day. Through Exodus and Numbers, all through Exodus and Numbers, God tells them, take as much as you need, right, for that day. And it was, it was off to do, sweet as honey, and, and literally their daily bread. Daily bread. And fast forward now to John 6. <clears throat> this is not a leap. This is a fact. Jesus says he is the manna. The manna was a picture 
of Jesus. And I would like to suggest that, that we often relate to Jesus and forgiveness the same way the children of Israel related to manna. Because it was there every day, right in front of them. And, and it started, they started taking it for granted. Right? The miracle got mundane. I got that word from my wife. I didn't know exactly what it uh, I was like, what would, what would this mean? Uh, what, what word am I looking for? Anyways, because it was always there. God, I need a car. You're forgiven. Well, I know, but, but I, I still need a vehicle. Listen, is there anything wrong with asking for a car? No. No, <clears throat> there's not. But, but I wonder if sometimes we're looking for such tangible, literal miracles, we miss the one that's staring, staring us in the face Every morning. John 6, 29, starting at verse 29, reads, Jesus answered, The work of God is there, to believe in the one who he, the one he sent. So they asked him, What miracles, signs, and will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Come on, Jesus, what are you going to do? <clears throat> Our fathers, they ate the manna, Right? They ate the manna. Like, where's the manna? I'm here. Right? I'm here. They ate the manna. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Verse 32. Verse 32. I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread. I know Moses. Jesus like, I know Moses. It wasn't him. He had his issues too. I tell you the truth. But it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34. Sure, sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. Listen to this. And he who believes in me will never thirst. He's talking about your soul. He's talking about your soul there. Like your soul can be full. You're, you're, you can be satisfied. <clears throat> He's not saying, you know, later on, you're, you're, you're not going to want those french fries. That's, that's still going to happen. All right? But you can be satisfied. And you can be full. And boy, that can affect your perspective on Monday morning. Jesus says, I am the bread. Now, about a year into the man of miracle... In Numbers 11, it records that the children of Israel, they started complaining. They started complaining about, their, uh, about the manna. And they continued to play, complain for almost 40 years every day. And listen to their complaint. I wonder um, if this complaint sounds a little bit like us sometimes, a little like me. Numbers 6, starting at verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other foods. And began the Israelite, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, "If only we had meat." <laughs> I can't believe this was like a couple thousand years ago. Doesn't it sound like today, right? We remembered the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks. Leeks? Are you serious right now? I didn't know where leeks were exactly. I looked it up and some herb, but this doesn't sound good. I'm just like leeks. <laughs> Onions and garlic. Really? Like they, they were that specific? Like this was a premeditated complaint. 
They had to think about this before. And listen to that list again. The, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. Really? You miss the onions and garlics? Well, your friends did it because your breath stank. You know? <laughs> really? But, and we read that list and you think, man, you had God's supernatural manna. And you're talking about garlic and leeks? Yeah. Because that's our nature, isn't it? That's our nature, just to complain. And God, I know I'm forgiven. You know, I, I, and I would say that's enough. But, but Lord, you know, I got about seven things on my prayer list right now, and uh, you haven't touched one of those in about eight months now. I'm just saying, right? Just saying, Lord. Like, aren't we something that we forget his mercies are new every day, which is undeserved forgiveness? Right, And all we fixate on is these few tangible things. These few tangible things that, that we think we need. Okay, friends, I'm telling you, I think someday we'll get up there and we're going to be like, oh, wow, in heaven, like, Lord, I'm sorry. I was all fixated on this garlic. And you were like this? Wow. He's going to be like, yeah, I know. Like, but you got your garlic, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but, uh, Wow, if I would have just known and realized what this all meant, the forgiveness I have for eternity. Ah, the power, the amazing power of perspective. And it's interesting. Um, I should finish. I want to read verse, verse 6 yet. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Right? perspective it fed them right god fed them with that he says oh taste and see man it's interesting to me like the first few days of the manna the people went nuts they went crazy they were trying to hoard up as much as they could it got moldy overnight they said you know they were told just to collect what they could for that day what they could eat and they went crazy about it right it, it tastes so good the manna is a picture of jesus coming down from heaven you don't have to pay for it. It's an, it was open uh, for, for everyone amongst the Israelites. It, it's all Jesus. But I think sometimes we wake up and, and we think, man, you know, that, that meeting or whatever that was last night, man, that was, ah. Or, or, you know, he said, she said, ah. And we complain. And we forget to wake up and have our first thoughts on, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I lost my, my job yesterday, but I didn't leave in my forgiveness, right? Like, like the, Jesus, Jesus loves me. I am accepted. I am approved. I am protected. I am blessed. I am forgiven. That is one of the only things that really matters. I would like to suggest that this is the single way that we can regain proper perspective in life. Let me show you. Matthew. 6, 33, uh, 33. Matthew 6:33. Uh, I'm sure you all heard this before, but here's the key to perspective. It reads, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things will be given to you as well. All these things. You know what, what's dominating your perspective? All these 
God gave us a way to relate to all these things, and, and, but we so often don't take advantage of it. Man, what, what do you got going on in your life? Man, I'm so busy. I got all these things. Ah, I got all these things in my mind. I almost titled my, my, my sermon, All These Things. Uh, maybe I should have because I'm going to be saying that a bunch. We are supposed to, to be the people, those of us who have received Jesus. And, and today, if you haven't received Jesus, it's as free as it was, the manna was, a, was free for the Israelites back then. You can accept it. You receive it. You can be forgiven. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the relationship you have with all these things is supposed to be different than everyone else's in the world. What are all these things that are filling your mind? Are, are, are they... Are they uh, are, are these things that are these things that are dominating your emotions? What are all these things that get you so worked up, so wound up, so frustrated, so so tied up, so anxious, worried? All these things, and from my experience, uh, is, is that these people in the world that are usually like sour, ugly, rude, crude. And I don't mean ugly physically, I mean ugly with their attitude, are often fixated and consumed by all these things. Your relationship with all these things, they need to be through me, Jesus says. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let me translate that. And Jesus says, I'm going to take care of all these things. God God's like, like, like I, I know you need food. I made you to need food, right? He made you need food. He knows. He's like, hey, I know you got to pay your bills. I've been providing for my people for many years. Read the book, right? Don't get all worked up with all these things. At least a car agrees. He's saying amen, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. There will be people that will say, you got your, you know, you got your heads in the clouds. You're, you're out of touch. And, you know, that exact situation that you're going through right now, I went through, and it didn't end up like you're saying it's going to end up. That's because my focus is, is, is on, on, on Jesus. Our relationship with all these things should be different because of Jesus. So what do I seek first? In other words, <clears throat> what do I focus on? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Romans, actually, the Bible is going to tell you. Romans 14, 17 defines it. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, all these things, right? But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about all these things. We shouldn't be worked up about what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink. This is real life's truth. Righteousness. It's always first. It's not a coincidence. It's not, it, it, it's not random. What is righteousness? Listen, righteousness produces a focus on peace and joy, which is emotions that comes right after that gives the right perspective. Let me say it again so you let it sink in. Righteousness produces a focus on peace and joy, which is the emotions that comes with right perspective. Ah. The power to put things in their proper place and focus. 
on the finished work of Jesus that he gives us and, and, and it makes us, makes you righteous. His mercies start new every morning, every morning. You, you are, you're, you're accepted. You are covered. You are loved. You belong. You are a daughter of Christ. You are a son of Christ and you are righteous. You are forgiven. Jesus, he can't walk. He can't walk. I know. But the focus here is not him walking. It's him being forgiven and righteous. For that's where the power is to live an abundant life. The abundant life cannot be defined by your income, by your savings, by your retirement count. Guys, I'm preaching to myself too. Listen. Can't be defined by that. Come on, church. We're supposed to be a unique people, a people in this world that says, my definition of success is not all these things. It's I am accepted. I am loved. I am righteous. I am covered. I am forgiven. So the next time you see that bumper sticker, that cheesy bumper sticker, maybe you have it, maybe I shouldn't say cheesy, but it's good. That bumper sticker that says, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. You have permission to yell, amen. Amen, right? That's right. There we go. Let's think of some amens. It's true. Why are we more excited about forgiveness? Like, a uh, full circle here. Let's go back to, to Luke Luke 5 with, uh, with, with him healing, with him forgiving, with Jesus forgiving. 526, to continue where we were, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And, and, and I would like to, uh, other versions use uh, the word extraordinary things. I like that word. I'm going to use extraordinary things. Here's what I ask you. How can we say this? How can we not say this every day? How can we not, this not be our story here, right? And, and, and all, and, and and amazement fell upon EUZ, and they glorified God with awe and said, we have seen extraordinary things. Oh, what did you see? Oh, man, I am forgiven. He's forgiven. She's forgiven. Extraordinary things. And one of the most powerful ways to experience this on a daily basis is to focus on is, is to focus on his righteousness and talk about it. We say this a lot at our home. Um, I guess Brody and Brianna are not in here. I was going to have them help me. I did not set them up for this, but I guarantee they would have said it. We are so blessed. So blessed. And, 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 and you may say, oh, well, how can you say that, Scott? With everything going on in the world, everything happening in my life, everything happening in your life, look at you. I saw the duct tape shoes you wore the other day. Yeah, you don't look blessed. Oh, because you define blessed with all these things. And I define blessing with, 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 uh, with Christ. Yeah, amen. You're covered. I am forgiven.
these things. I define blessing with righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit of Jesus. And that's, that's what I want my focus to be. Fight the good fight. And what? We fight. Uh, we, we, we need to fight for this church. Fight to keep our focus on Jesus. We, we need to fight to focus on righteousness and not get caught up in all these things. I mean, think about it. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's going to come your way, and things are going to come our way. And I know it's not fun. But we, but think about it. No matter what happens, your perspective, uh, you can have the correct perspective. And suddenly you're like, you know what? You know what, job? You don't belong over here. Like, you don't, sorry, you don't belong right here in front of me. You belong over here. All those, all those things that people are saying about me behind my back or on media or whatever, like all those things that are getting me all worked up, you don't belong here. You belong here. Jesus, righteousness, forgiveness. You belong here in your forefront, in your everything. You know what? You better watch out. You might become one of those people. You know, one of those people that you might have made fun of sometimes or maybe talked bad about. There's people that are, you know, the happy clappies, that everything's going to work out fine kind of people. You know, the people that are always like, hey, whatever happens, it happens, you know, and you're like, come on, man, back off. But, you know, the ones that are so happy, the people that are always so faith-filled, right? And you're like, come on, we're in church. Let's get real. We're in church. Let's get real, church. Watch it. You might become that person. I mean, almost as if we act like that's a wrong thing. Yes, I know we have battles. We have struggles. But you might become one of those. The person that has that, that is so positive, faith-filled, encouraged, consistent, a person who has perspective on life. This short time we're here. Perspective. Because no matter what happens in life or whatever comes, I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm accepted. I am loved. I I belong here. I am forgiven. I am covered. I am a child of God. Amen? Man, I'm going to preach myself happy soon. (laughs) Good stuff. We are forgiven. That's the gospel in three words. We're forgiven. We are forgiven. That's three words. We're forgiven too. (laughs) And in just a couple days, next Saturday, less than a week, we're going to have an opportunity to, to, to be over here behind our building. And there, there will be people coming to our grounds here that may not know Christ, that may not have a relationship with him, that may not know um, about his forgiveness. What better opportunity than for us to to go with the right perspective. Not in the perspective where we're like, uh, I'm better than them, or not in the perspective like, uh, whatever. Like, you're just... But a perspective where you're like, you know what? Guys, God doesn't want you to do life alone. He wants to be involved with your life, to help you through your life. He wants you to accept His forgiveness. 
Let's gain the let's gain Christ's perspective and the love he has for others. Will you pray with me? Lord, I'm a little overwhelmed with who you are, with with what you've done for us. (laughs) Forgiving me? Lord, I thank you that you are concerned and you you care about all these things with us. And therefore, since you care about those things, I don't have to. I don't have to. You take care of them. Thank you for that promise. Lord, renew our minds to gain a new, a proper perspective so we don't fall into into the snares of the enemy with all these things. We recognize uh, these, these things aren't necessarily bad. But when we take when they take up your deserved, your space, when they become an idol in our lives, they're poison. And Lord, I'll be the first to apologize for making these things more important than you. And I would never say that, but, but I do by my actions. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Thank you for your undeserved forgiveness we love you Lord we thank you for being gracious for caring for being a loving father that we can always turn to no matter what life throws our way Lord help us to to look to you and make us your your, your, your you our focus Give us, give us your perspective, the, per, the perspective that we need to have. It's in your blessed name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a song. If, if, this, if this at all spoke to you, if it at all touched you, if it at all, if God is talking to your, your heart, but we have, guys, we have people here that would love to pray with you. So I'm going to invite you they come up here. We're going to invite the prayer team to come up and those that are willing to pray. Not just willing, but, but eager to. We are here for each other. We are here so to, to, to help each other. You're not alone. So as we, we close with this song, I'm just going to invite you to sing. I'm going to invite you to come up. You can talk to God where you are, yes. Allow him to continue to speak. But there is power in others helping and, and, and just being there with you. Will you rise and sing with us as we close? But it doesn't have to close right now. Let's continue allowing God to speak to us.